Welcome, everybody, back to the Pittsburgh Oddcast. My name is Andrew Lindbergh. I'm the producer of the program, and with me, as always, is the founder of Odd Pittsburgh, John Chalkowski. Well, hello, everybody. So today, we're bringing you a very special guest. A very special guest? <laughs> a very. <laughs> a fantastic guest. Mr. Larry Richard from KDK Morning Show, among many other things. You know, I am so honored to be here. I really am because we've been a big fan of yours, John. And it was Andy that introduced us to the great John Chukoski years ago. And you have expanded and grown. And I know this podcast is becoming more and more popular. And I have something to share with you guys. Yeah. Is that I went and saw the movie, The Current War, which is, as you're aware, John, a battle between Thomas Edison and George Westinghouse. And Tesla's in the middle there because he worked for both guys. But obviously Westinghouse broadcasting emanated. So George Westinghouse is really the father of KDKA. Yeah, he really is, you know, which is uh, fantastic. I mean, we did that a double episode, right, on Westinghouse. And, man, he was like – he's a legend. I mean, he's like uh, someone that you think uh, when people – you know, people mention in school books Edison, right? You hear – all these other people, you know, like these names, you know, that are attached to certain inventions, but you don't hear Westinghouse. And not to take away anything from Thomas Edison because his innovations were revolutionary. Right. Changed the world, literally. Right. But in the movie, they portray Thomas Edison as kind of a jealous, almost childlike guy when it came to competition with George Westinghouse for whose current, direct current or alternating current, would win out right. when this whole electric thing was expanding. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so, so fascinating to think that it and it really began here in Pittsburgh. Right. I mean, of all places, it, re- it was Pittsburgh that was the forefront of the of what would turn out to be the winner, AC Power. And the whole time I'm watching it, guys, I'm thinking just what you said. This is Pittsburgh. That's we right. should be so proud of this. And out of that eventually came KDK Radio Yeah, and... What I didn't know was George Westinghouse championed the five-day work week, and all the other industrialists were mad at him for that. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. was kind of like the the friendly industrialist. Ever, you don't think about Andrew Carnegie and and uh, and J.P. Morgan in that same kind of light, but Westinghouse was kind of like, you know, the nice one. Yeah, you didn't right. you didn't hear of strikes at Westinghouse factories not until later on. <laughs> you but, know, but, but out yeah. of the collection of engineers that they had, yeah. Dr. Frank Conrad was fascinated with the wireless mm-hmm. that Marconi invented. Well, let's go back to that, what you just said, uh, Marconi invented. Did he? Did he? So let me read you something, okay? This is okay. from the Pittsburgh, let's see here, the Pittsburgh Press, September 25th, 1899. It says, the invention of wireless telegraphy. Professor Fezzedin conducts successful experiment. Professor Reginald Fezzedin of the Western University has put the finishing touches on his instruments for conducting a system of wireless telegraphy. On Saturday night, assisted by Professor S.M. Kinter, he conducted the very first successful experiment of transmitting voice through the air. The trial test was made at the university and buildings in Allegheny. Professor Fezzedin remained in the electrical laboratory in the, in the college building. Professor Kinter took the ordinary telegraph key a small battery into a corner of the campus 300 yards away. Professor Fezzedin signaled that everything was ready, and they began to tick. Letter by letter and then word for word were received perfectly by the new instrument without the use of any kind of conducting wires. The instrument is smaller, lighter, and simpler than any have ever been invented before by 
Signor Marconi or our W.J. Clark. Professor Fezzen has encased it in a glass case and is carefully stored away. Wow. <laughs> so, That's the thing with you, John. You're always finding those little nuggets yeah, and that suggest maybe it wasn't the way we've always learned it. Well, it was. It's it's kind of the a fair assessment to say that the, for example, the Wright brothers. There's no doubt that the Wright brothers did further aviation history. Hundred percent. Okay, right? uh, we owe aviation really to them. However, they might not have been the first people to do it. <laughs> so you and you said the first flight took place on Bates Street in Oakland. That's right. That's right. So, you know. Gustav uh, Whitehead. Yeah, of all places and all people, you know. And, and of all of places, all, right. Don know, Oakland. Yeah, yeah, by, by McGee Woman's Hospital. So it's kind of a, you never know until you start looking. Now, this is brand new information. This is not something you're going to, no, it is recognized that he was a professor at the University of Pittsburgh, which is Western University. But um, that, that kind of like footnote in history has kind of gone through the, you know, it just disappeared because the technology was not there for early historians to find this information. I could keyword search Fezzedin, look at every time that name was ever mentioned in a paper ever, and like just look at by date, and then sure enough, you're going to find it. Same and, thing goes for hockey. Same thing goes for flight. Yes, and you, you, I mean, Pittsburgh is this hotbed of firsts of life changing innovations. Yeah, including the television with Vladimir Zvorkin. Yeah, well, another Westinghouse uh, creation. So. How in 1899, okay, you have the invention of, you know, wireless telegraphy or, or, you know, transmitting your voice through the air. Now, how come it takes till 1920 for KDKA to become a thing? That's a great question. But in that movie, The Current War, again, really the story of the battle between Edison Westinghouse and Tesla's in the middle. And he worked for both, as you know, and he was the one that imagined what if we could do these things without wires? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. The year that he was here in Pittsburgh was 1899. Did he have an influence? He had to have known about it happening. Isn't he was here. Something? He was living here in Pittsburgh. I didn't know he lived here. Too. Yeah, he lived for a year and a half. And and at one point, I was told by one of our engineers, the old, our old chief engineer, Melchek, who's got this great museum up in East Brady of radio history. No. Have you been there yet? No. We're going to take a field trip. We yeah. got to. Oh, yeah, we got to sure. go there. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I've yeah. been there. You will not want to leave. Wow. But he has Dr. Frank Conrad's desk. Wow. Who really championed this radio station. And then he has uh, talk about wireless these devices, incredible leaps of technology that came out of Westinghouse, but he told us when KDKA radio was first on the air they had a sign when it became uh, official programming program station. Right, thirty six engineers manned this station. Wow, twenty four seven. Jeez, where they had people living like they would at a firehouse out right. at the transmitter site in Hampton. Originally was in Saxonburg, right? Right. Yeah. Hopefully they had a fire pole <laughs> installed. Oh, they yeah. had during World War II. They told me they had a machine gun turret. Wow. Installed because of well, yeah. the value of being able to communicate through KDK as the wow. focal point for the emergency broadcast system in the region. Well, how, well, yeah, I mean, that brings up a bigger point. How did KDK become such a powerhouse that it did, you know, it, right away? I mean, other than being the first commercially licensed station, how did it develop 
to where you don't hear about like the Bostons or Chicago's or New York's that you hear about KDKA. Even in like 1930s, you hear about, you know, the 1940s, like you said, with the war effort, you know, with um, being such a powerful medium that they had to protect it by live ammunition. <laughs> and they have, uh, they even now have meals ready to eat uh, mm-hmm. in case there is an attack. It still holds a value, even in this technological uh-huh. world where you've got internet, which some people have suggested in its time. Outside of inventing the light bulb, which mm-hmm. light, lit the world, then the radio opened the world up to people who otherwise would have had no way to get this information in real time. Well, yeah. if it hits the fan today, it's still going to be the radio that people are going to need to turn to because... You well, can- how about after 232 years, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette is only partially publishing hard copy right. newspaper. Now, they're still working daily to bring news, but so is everybody else. Mm -hmm. So that puts a dynamic shift in the way people get their information. And all of a sudden now, for local news and information, KDK Radio is not only still here as we approach 100 years, but actually some could argue that it's even more important than it's been in a long time in delivering local news and information. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there's no more important medium. I remember my grandmother, uh, who was born in 1920, um, talking about just the importance of radio to her growing up and, and, um, and just how essential it was. It was her best friend. You know, it was her storytellers, <laughs> you know, it was, her, among many other things. I mean, she was not surprised when the war of the worlds broadcast happens, uh, because she was a fan of Mercury theater, you know, like, uh, you, you had to, uh, it, it, it has so many levels of entertainment and necessity. And another place where we were yeah. first with just about everything on the radio First sports broadcast, day game, night game, baseball, yeah. football, I, I have that list. There's even the first uh, recording of a heartbeat ever on the air. Concerts. The first uh, clock, you know, the first alarm to signify it's midnight or noon or 8 p.m. And how ironic that it was Edison's invention mm-hmm. to be able to record voice and music. Yeah, That ultimately was the driving force for programming and your ability on radio, which was uh, an out outgrowth of Westinghouse. Right, right, yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, that, that is ironic. <laughs> and and the first the song, Mary Had a Little Lamb, was first recorded voice of his wife, Thomas Edison, who passed away, mm-hmm. and that was so dear to him, and then he realized this is another dynamic opportunity because this recording of sound yeah. could could be, and it's funny if people say, well, what good... Or what use would that be? It seems ridiculous. Well, imagine you had a recording of Beethoven, the real man. Or or <laughs> your you know, great, playing. great. Right. What, it's great. Tchaikovsky, yes. Tchaikovsky, right. a great composer. 1893, so he was only a few years off is when he passed away in 1893. So but he was right off. in that mix where. It, well, that's the thing. As a classical right. music fan, I, I, I hold recordings of Sergei Rachmaninoff or Prokofiev or uh, Saint-Saëns even. As like, uh, I mean, gold. <laughs> it's like you get to hear the guy who wrote it Absolutely. play it, you know, unlike anything you've ever heard before. Tempos that are out of this world. So it's a um, just the availability of uh, that recording aspect of it. But then how the radio ties into that for early radio, you'd have, you know, a broadcast to be recorded. Like with Rock Modern, if you would do play it live at, at Carnegie Music Hall here in Pittsburgh even. And it'd be broadcast over KDKA, which would then be recorded. And I'm thinking about the first broadcast 
November 2nd, 1920. Yeah. So how, how did that come about? So, like, did they promote? Well, it, it, right. it, it's a great story, as, as I've heard it told, is because Dr. Frank Conrad, fascinated with this wireless, was cranking out music on a Victrola over the wireless, and he would ask people, kind of like ham operators who were receiving these you know, broadcasts, right. to send postcards in to let them know where they were hearing him. And, and then he convinced the Westinghouse people that radio was going to be something breakthrough. And they, and I heard they were kind of like, Frank, we got more important things to work on. Mm -hmm. But then someone said, wait a minute, we'll manufacture receivers, right? But it's the chicken or the egg, because if you don't have something to receive, there's no reason to own a receiver. Right. So they created programming around what would be the biggest event of the year would be a presidential election mm -hmm. that people could hear in real time for the first time ever in 1920. So they manufactured receivers, but they had to have programs right, to right. send. Wow. I mean, how, how incredible that they did that, that they were able to um, have the foresight into uh, – to actually designing something that could be received, something that could be broadcasted. And so, I mean, the, the cool thing about KDK history is that just the word broadcast itself was invented by a Pittsburgher, you know, Harold Arland, I guess you could say almost, you know, being the first broadcaster. <laughs> and he was like the Limburg of broadcasting, they called him. Yeah. And the first day I went on the air, I don't know if, Andy, you remember this story, we had in our lobby down in Gateway One, where we were for many years, many or years, the bulk of the years of KDK Radio, there was a poster of Harold Arlen with a microphone, a square mic, mm -hmm. as the world's first full-time professional announcer. And so Bob Coppler, our news anchor at the time, my first day on the air for Cigna, he said, I said, I looked at the the poster of. Harold Arlen, and I thought, what a tremendous history, and how honored am I to be a part of it? Then oh, the yeah. next day, Bob Coppler said, did Harold Arlen wink at you? I said, no, he gave me the finger. <laughs> and we laughed about it. Right. And then several months later, I meet this guy who's in the lobby, and they introduced him to me as Harold Arlen's grandson. Wow. Who came up from Maryland or somewhere in the, the, the eastern south. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, it's funny. Somebody told me that somebody on the air said my great-grandfather gave him the finger. And I'm like, oh, geez, I don't know who, who that was. Right, right. Yeah, it must be the new guy. It was me. <laughs> right. But he was as significant in our business as anybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he famously was the first person to do play-by-play -play for a baseball game. And uh, not knowing what the even – I mean, there's a story where he said that he was supposed to be calling every single play and then – he ended up just watching the game and forgot to even say anything on the air because he, you know, they didn't know that that's what you're supposed to do. Well, Larry, let me um, just real quick tell me what's it like to be part of that legacy of KDKA and to be on every day. And KDKA, we're a place of firsts, and we were the first commercial radio station, but we also just kept innovating over the 99 years. We just had our 99th birthday, and yet we still, you know, first website, first everything. One of our engineers, again, Melchek, uh, one of the innovators of tape delay Wow! Uh, for talk shows. The other was uh, the cough button for a microphone. All these things sound simple. Everybody takes all this stuff for granted. Yeah, there's so many firsts, 
But for me, growing up in Pittsburgh, my parents used to listen to Jack Bogut in the kitchen, and I'd be, you know, getting up for school, and I was just a kid sitting by the hot air vent in the winter right, time, and right. Jack Bogut was on, and then John Cigna took over. He was on for eighteen years wow. after Jack's fifteen, right? Who Jack followed a guy named Reg Cordick, who had all these fun and crazy innovations. He was huge star in yeah. Pittsburgh, and then. I get the opportunity to be on the radio. My parents lived long enough where they were sitting in the kitchen nice. with the radio on at the breakfast table, and it was me. Right. Well, and how's that On feel? the air. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think about it now, and now that I'm thinking that the papers are no longer publishing print copies, mm. and, and eventually Post-Gazette's not going to do it at all, right. I'm thinking, here we are, we're still here as we get ready for the centennial, and it's one of the most significant advancements in communications in the world. Yeah. And it still matters. Yeah, it sure does, you know. Larry, you're one of the best. I want to thank you. I know you're busy and you need to get going, but uh, thanks for joining us. That's right. Tune yeah. in to KDK Radio. There you go. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so we end every episode with a saying, and would you do the honors? Uh, that's it, Fort Pitt. That's it, Fort Pitt. <laughs>